Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Daniel Caldas. Daniel, do you want to say hello and uh, remind people who you are? Yeah. Hi there. Uh, Daniel Caldas here talking from uh, Singapore, uh, software engineer at Zendesk that came uh, all the way from Portugal uh, to be a software engineer here in Singapore and working with JavaScript. Nice. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Yeah, we had you on episode 411 of JavaScript Jabber. We talked about uh, unit testing with Jest. Yeah, that's correct. It was a pretty cool, pretty cool episode. Yeah, it uh, was. Um, now, when I do these interviews, a lot of times I just dive right in and, and I'm kind of curious, you know, we'll, we'll do the same thing here um, and start with how you got into code. Yeah, sure. Um, it started, so my first code experience was in high school, actually, uh, which in Portugal is not, a, is not common because code or even, even IT in general is not part of the education system. Um, so if you are lucky enough to come across with some, I don't know, some course that gives you some base skills around IT, you, you're super lucky. Uh, but most likely you're not having that. So what I had was like in my senior high school here, we have a, a computing class, which was called like computing basics, informatics or something like that. And there's a module where you learn how to code. And uh, we learn like imperative programming uh, in uh, Pascal. So that was my first uh, programming language was actually Pascal. Uh, you do a bit of um, a bit of coding around like these basic imperative programming exercises, like doing the for loops, printing a low world to the screen. And uh, it kind of was the, I think the decision maker, this like three months experience that I had was for me the decision maker to, to say, okay, I maybe I want to to continue to look into this. So I based on that I I, I made my decision to to proceed uh into the university and, and actually study uh, informatics engineering where you learn like uh, all around computer science uh skills. And uh yeah that that then that that's where things got a bit more serious. So uh, going to university, uh, first year is a bit, a bit rough 
uh, especially if you go to an engineering course, you have a lot of math, physics, and uh, yeah, it's not all, all the fun right in the first year. Uh, but then you get in touch with uh, you get in touch with the community of, of students. You get to know what the, the old folks are are working on, and what they are learning, and what they are capable to build. And then things get get more interesting, and you see, oh, oh, okay, I can next year I can build that or I can learn that. I'll have that skill, and and that was a bit of what motivated me throughout the journey as well, I guess. Uh, seeing the things that others uh, are able to to build, and as like having having that that desire as well, like oh, I want to build that as well. Um, but it was not like a, uh, I didn't come in contact with JavaScript right at the, in the first years of uh, university, I would say. So my first language was actually. Haskell, which is like, why would you teach Haskell? I know, right? Programming language in a university course. And then like you wonder, why is the success rate of this particular course like in the 20% or less? Well, it makes sense. Yeah, that, that one, that, that class in particular was called functional programming. And it took me, took me a lot to, <laughs> to, to get, a, to get around it. Like, a lot of effort to understand the concepts behind it, because I had already seen Pascal, and uh, I had a bit. I, I was not that much into programming, but I had a, a, already a bit of the mindset, and just seeing Haskell was kind of a shock. And yeah, the, then coming from there, arriving to the like middle uh, of my journey in university, you start building uh, building stuff with UIs. And eventually, you you want to ship stuff to the web, and yeah, what's there for you? It's it's JavaScript. There were these things, some Java applets that you could launch from the browser, something like that. But <laughs> Java <yeah>. applets, <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> eventually, people uh, saw uh, saw that it was not that of a good idea. But yeah, we we jump into JavaScript to. To build to build nice uh, and interactive UIs, and um, can so can I stop you for a minute? Because some of this is kind of interesting that I want to dive into. One of the first things is is you said that it wasn't that common for them to teach programming um, when you were in high school. Yeah. Um, sure. So were you just in a like a special area? Was there, was there just somebody at the school that you went to that wanted to push things uh, through? How did that come about? Yeah, it was just um, a special year where I think the government was testing uh, in the senior, like high school year, they give you like um, two slots of uh, two slots in a week where you can pick your your own subject. Right. And uh, it happened that in my in my high school, we had this informatics, uh, this uh, computing class. Uh, which was not available everywhere. So different high schools had different uh, topics that they could uh, that they could offer to the students, depending on the on the offer of uh, teachers. And uh, yeah, for for us it was like something like Spanish, physics, and uh, and this com 
informatics, this IT class. And uh, yeah, it of course has a lot of traction because um, a lot of people were interested in it and mm -hmm. get some basic skills. And there was all sorts of things like image, image editing, video editing, and programming uh, was not only focused on programming. So it kind of it kind of raised uh, the the expectations there for all for all the young people that didn't have that much of um, let's say IT skills uh, at all. Cool. Yeah, and then you go to to the university. Um, I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but uh, it seems it sounds like there it was much more common to have a CS degree available and something for you to study. Uh, yeah. Uh, so w one thing cool about Portugal uh, comparing to the US is the education system is, I mean, it's not free, but it's uh, pretty, pretty affordable. Uh, like you're talking about fees that go around $1,000 per year during three years, just, it's okay, you can afford that. Uh, most of the times you are, uh, you ask help for your parents or you do a loan, but it's not that big of a loan. Uh, you probably can pay out can pay out like then two, two to three years after after you go go out to the market, um, but the, um, the the thing about about universities that um, especially especially in the in the master's degree. So I did, I did a master's degree was it was around five years there in the university. I actually, don't have I don't have yet much experience because. As you said, you know my age. Um, I'm kind of young, so I'm 26, and I graduated like when I was around 21. So I don't have that much of experience in the. Uh, although I I worked already in three countries, or and uh, I've been in the in the market for like four or five years max. And um, the cool thing about um, universities in Portugal, especially around computer science that you 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 have a very gradual it's like gradual program and then you 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 kind of keep the building things part to the end so where it makes the most sense because you're more close to go and and get a job outside so the let's say real life skills you you can acquire them more at the end of your journey and um and that was a good thing to me. So the last two years for me were pretty much essential on building those like super basic skills that actually allowed me to get to get my first job. And um, especially building building things with, with JavaScript because you have plenty of freedom of choosing whatever tools you want to, to achieve to achieve the, the job so to, to deliver. And um, as I was telling you, uh, you get pre pretty much a lot of freedom around uh, what tools you want to to use to deliver the the job as long as long as you do it and you deliver by by the deadline. Um, and uh, that was the the time for me where I I started to get more into JavaScript, both uh, front end and back end. Uh, because I just saw that saw there an opportunity to like okay I can use 
I can use this on the back end. There's this thing called Node. Uh, I can just stick to one programming language. Maybe this will be good for me. Let's let's see how it goes. And so whatever I could, I was uh, I was talking with the Node and 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 JavaScript on the front end. Um, I started, so I didn't use uh, frameworks at first. It was uh, mostly around building things like static websites with some jQuery and uh, and yeah, some vanilla JavaScript. So it's funny because I remember, now that I'm, we're talking about this, I remember like not like being 0% zero, zero aware of things like um, UI libraries and frameworks um, and just using the language as it's like standard, like normal programming language, writing things, imperative style or like with the patterns that I knew uh, with OO approaches or something like that. Um, and uh, like duplicating code all around, uh, building my own routines to do like to do small things and, and to do the same thing everywhere. I'll just cope the same code around, which is kind of funny to look look into that now from 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 where I am like, it's funny to see the journey, like since you you are you are zero zero percent aware of the things you're doing, but you're still able to to build things. You know, with those very very basic skills, you still you're still able to put things together, which is which is cool. Uh, but then as as you progress, like it's funny that you see JavaScript as a completely different language yeah. with its own patterns with its uh with its own particularities and its uh like its own, its own edge cases and you need to look at it uh not as a language but uh you need to consider things like where am i running this okay this runs in the browser now browsers this ships to clients and then you have different browsers and you have different versions of these different browsers. You have um, all sorts of libraries that you can use. You have a super, like a super dynamic ecosystem built on like on top of things like NPM, which offer things like millions or maybe billions, I'm not sure, but millions for sure of libraries that you can, you can just pick and, and 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 plug into your your application and make things uh, uh, super fast that yeah. otherwise would be uh, super hard to achieve or would be just too time consuming for you to deliver something in a timely manner, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, coming coming all along, it's like you get. I feel that it's more like getting into uh, getting into the community, like just trying to trying to understand like how are the like what are the standards on uh, building things with JavaScript and building UIs uh, and then as long as you go you, you it's it you don't even I looking back is like I jumped from I don't know from from zero to to 50 to level 50 or something like that I don't you don't feel that transition and then it kind of feels hard to to go back and explain 
oh, uh, I did this and this too, to step up or to learn right. that concept or that concept, because it just became super hard to explain. And that that's why I, I think sometimes uh, people have a tough time getting getting into like whatever topic you're trying to get into because there are just uh, there is documentation for sure, but you always lack that that the grasp of the the concept when you first came in touch with it, um, and that's super hard to like to transmit to to people. I would say uh, I think that's one of the things that that sometimes I. I I wish I, I would find more like easily whenever I try to learn something, find that right resource that um, that will give me like almost instantly the idea of the thing I'm learning. And uh, yeah, I think I think most of the um, thing doesn't apply only for JavaScript, but for most of things in in computer programming, I think it's learning by doing the and if you if you just r repeat and repeat and if you just try and learn new things at a certain at a certain rhythm let's say you i think you, you eventually gain some fluency and and things will look come just more naturally i would say and uh, yeah that's that's a bit how i how I feel about my journey, but mm -hmm. another thing that I feel is that uh, funny thing. It's like you, it's like a certain point you reach this stage where you, like especially JavaScript, like you build it, you build this, I don't know, a complex or a, not that, not that easy or, uh, or or like a more complex UI or or a more complex yeah, program, but... and you think. Okay, now now this is it. Like I I learned uh, everything I had to learn. Uh, I master this concept. I know this framework. Now I can build everything. And then there will always be something that comes along the road that that proves you the contrary. Like something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> something that you're like, oh, oh, what? I never saw this. What what the hell is this? And it's like, can I do this? And and then you need to to dive in and 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 learn things and it's just that you i think you you will also learn that along the way that you actually don't know much and it's like for me it was like that i'm always learning and it's it's very hard to tell like uh, like when there there are these people that sometimes like uh, how would you they ask you like how would you rate your JavaScript knowledge from like zero to ten. I was like, man, saying that it's like an eight or a nine is such a bold statement. Is like you, you need to be really sure of what are you saying. So it's um, there's like a a big sea of things that that I that I don't know and that I'm aware of, and I think that's um, also part of the journey. Like. The moment you become aware that okay this is like this is super complex and there are a lot of subjects around this um there's a lot of knowledge there's a lot of material you cannot know everything so yeah how, how do you stay current because it seems like and this is something i get asked fairly frequently and i have my mm -hmm. own answers for it but yeah you know so with all the things that you could be learning 
Um, you know, I mean, some of it, yeah, you build something that's a little more complex or that stretches the boundaries of what you know, mm. but yeah. Um, how, how do you stay current on what's out there for people to use? Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Yeah, I think the the part that I mentioned is very essential that you build something that like stretches out your your boundaries and like tries to go into a certain area that you don't know that's that's cool but i think it's also it's also essential to to read a lot i would say uh and to experiment a lot but sometimes you don't need to like just dive completely in and stay on that topic for weeks but you can just uh poke around a little bit and and see what's there for you an example for me it's uh view for instance mm-hmm. um, it's uh something that i never learned in, in depth but um once it started to gain some popularity i at least um try to read a little bit around it and like what it does and and how it, how it how it does it and how is it different from the other frameworks and yeah i think if you just keep this pattern of yeah try try to just try to subscribe to some some podcasts like chess shower or like try to follow some people on twitter uh to get some hints on interesting articles and uh yeah i think if you keep a not a, like a, a super crazy rhythm but like if you do something like one article every two days or something like that and if you try uh, to keep an experiment with these uh, different things in your own schedule. Uh, like, for instance, I don't know every month, try to uh, look into a different library or so- something like that um, and try try to see what, what's out there. So if you keep this, um, this curiosity going, you, you'll be able to, I mean, of course, n- not knowing everything, but you'll get, the sense of what's out there and um you'll i think this these people that kind of have this curiosity are also more able to when the time comes to maybe choose the right tool for for the right job which is i think in the javascript world something um very very important because it's like uh sometimes you just you just don't need a super powerful library or you don't even need a framework. Like if you want to be, build a static website, maybe something simple. So yeah, you don't need to bring like a tank to the to this battle, right? Maybe you should right. a small uh, a smaller weapon. Um, and um, yeah, I think that that's also a, a very important skill and and one of the reasons why I I I try to keep myself up to date. Uh, especially right. by reading and by experimenting around. Yep. So you, you've mentioned that you're from Portugal and you live now in Singapore. So how did you wind up over in Singapore? <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story. Um, I was, so I was in Portugal for, uh, I worked there for 
about two years. And once I graduated, I wanted to just go out and have this uh, like outside experience, international experience. But international will be like somewhere around. So I went to Germany, like it's nearby, right? It's not that mm -hmm. that a crazy jump. And um, therefore, like one year and a half, nearly two years. Um, and then it's where I right almost at the start where I met my my girlfriend and um, she had this uh, idea she wanted to go somewhere outside of uh, outside of Europe and uh, I said yeah that, that that would be something that I that I would do as well but I didn't know where right I just uh, thought that it would be like a fun experience then she she actually came across this uh, offer job here in Singapore and uh, then I just I just start looking for for a job here as well. Uh, so I kind of wind up like coming uh, with my girlfriend here and uh, yeah, finding my path all the, all the way to Singapore. Nice. So what are you working on now? So right now I'm um, I'm a software engineer at Zendesk. Zendesk is a San Francisco based company that builds like CRM software, like uh, customer management. And uh, I work on the SHAT office. So here in Singapore, we work uh, in one of the products of Zendesk, which is chat related. Like you can have a chat widget on your website and then you can chat to agents on the other end, which is like our customers, the companies that offer some customer service. So I mainly work um, around this uh, chat platform, both the front end and back end. And um, that's pretty interesting challenge. Um, it's, um, it's a bit different uh, than what I was doing uh, previously. Uh, it uses, uh, it's, it uses massively things like WebSockets, which is something that I really never worked with before. And um, mm -hmm. now it seems like I live in a different planet because I almost won't see like Ajax requests anymore when I'm when I'm uh, working on something, um, which is kind of cool because you learn you learn something different. And um, the technologies that we work, uh, yeah, it's pretty mainstream like uh, ES6, uh, React, Ember, and then of course like things like Webpack and uh, I don't know, other famous libraries like Lodash. So mm -hmm. we have, so how the organization works is that we have like a JavaScript core team in San Francisco, and then you have feature teams all around the world that build things. And uh, I think, yeah, I've been mostly interested in the front end uh, because of my background, I would say. So at work, I've been mostly poking around things that are front-end related and uh, also getting in touch with this uh, like JavaScript core team from, from San Francisco whenever I need like um, something something more, more, more horizontal to the platform that doesn't exist anymore. So you can like work with these guys to, I know, implement some standard, mm -hmm. install some new package or um, get yeah get some new standard document out for people to like 
to write certain things. And um, another new thing that I, that I learned here uh, at Zendesk was um, Apollo and GraphQL. So I had zero, uh, almost zero experience with, with GraphQL and uh, it was cool to, to have the chance to, to work with it now. And um, yeah, it just, it just feels good that you have the opportunity of not working always on the same topic and with the same technologies. So it's kind of fun. It's not the main motivation, of course, behind it, because there are other things that you should seek in a job, but it's always exciting to work with these different things and it gives me that extra motivation uh, that you are learning different technologies and uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, the last section of the show is picks. You have some things you want to shout out, shout out about on the show? Oh, yes. Um, my pick um, is um, a browser extension called Twig, uh, which uh, I built myself uh, with my lov lovely girlfriend. We worked together on it. It was a project that lasted for roughly four months. And what this browser extension does is that it allows you to uh, mock slash intercept HTTP requests. Um, so if you're building UIs and let's say if you need to get that JSON payload for a certain endpoint, but the backend is not ready yet, you can just with a few clicks uh, simulate that backend and return a JSON payload with a browser extension. It's literally just like three, four clicks and you can like intercept uh, whatever Ajax request you want and just return the payload that you need to do some task or even sometimes to replicate some, to like to reproduce some edge case on your application. Because this also came to me as um, an idea that I had back there, which is sometimes you have these uh, corner cases in UIs and the QA tells you, hey, you know, under that circumstance, if the backend returns that flag in that field, uh, something will happen and this is very strange, man. Can you look at it? And you say, yeah, sure, I'll do I reproduce this. It says, yeah, I'm not sure, man, like the, the backend returns this uh, and that's what happens. And then what do you do? So usually what I would do is like, I look into the code and I just go wherever I do the request and try to like sneak in some, some object there to like return whatever I need. And that's kind of an intrusive approach. And with this browser extension, it's fairly simple. It's like you open the extension, you say, okay, when I hit this endpoint with a get or a post request or whatever, I want to return this uh, JSON payload, which is pretty cool. It's been pretty helpful. And yeah, it's, it's for free. Uh, I hope maybe uh, someone finds it helpful as well. Nice. Can you put a link to that in the chat and we'll make sure it winds up in the show notes? Right. Um, I'm going to do a couple of picks myself. Um, now, one of the tricks with this show is that I tend to record several of them in a week. And so um, I can't pick what I'm probably going to pick on a lot of the other shows uh, going forward. Um, so, yeah, I have to get creative here. Um, one thing that I really enjoy um, a lot are these Bose headphones. And it's funny because on my desk I have like three sets of headphones uh, just because I spend so much time doing audio stuff. Yeah, because I have my uh, Apple AirPods and then I'm actually wearing a set of headphones too. 
but yeah, so I'm I'm gonna just shout out about these. Um, they're the Bose. I think they're AE2 SoundLink headphones. And uh, anyway, they they come with a nice little um, pocket that you can slide them into. They travel really really well. And I find that like a lot of times I'll just go around with my AirPods in my ears, but after a while, like I wind up getting um, a bunch of gunk in my ears and things like that. And having the over the ear headphones is just a little bit more pleasant in a lot of ways. And for whatever reason, my AirPods, I've had them for three or four years now. Um, the microphone is not working as well. And so um, when I'm taking calls, a lot of times I'll just pop the, um, the Bose headphones on and they seem to work really, really well there too. So, uh, and, and the, the charge lasts forever. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes and people can check that out. Um, another pick that I have is shift and shift is, uh, I think it's a chromium app and basically, so if you look at, if you were looking at my screen, you'd see down the side, like Gmail, Slack, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, ActiveCampaign, Basecamp, um, BombBomb, HubSpot, uh, QuickBooks Online. And anyway, it just kind of puts it all in one app. And so then I don't have to have like a zillion tabs open and try and figure out which browser window I had it on. And uh, it maintains my login information. So I don't have to go log in, log back in if I wind up closing the app. So I'm really, really enjoying um, using Shift. Um, for a while there, it was kind of a rocky go. I think it was because I was on um, Catalina, but I was on like a beta version. But uh, yeah, I've gotten onto the, the what what is it? The, it's not the beta versions, it's the, the stable versions. And so um, since then, I haven't had any problems. So I'm pretty happy with it. And uh, so I'm going to shout out about it too. Um, Daniel, if people want to find you online, where do they find you? Uh, they can go to goodguydaniel.com, which is my blog, or they can also find me on Twitter and other social media. I'll drop the links. Nice. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks again for coming and talking to me. Um, Thank you, Charles, for the invite. Yeah. We'll wrap it up and we'll catch you all next week. Meantime, max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.